0: Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative ministry approaches. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst at Sat7USA. My guest today is Dr. Jules Glanzer, consultant, mentor, author, and President Emeritus of Tabor College. Dr. Jules Glanzer recently published The Sound of Leadership, a unique perspective on leadership, where he encourages using voices, music, and noise as an authentic leadership lifestyle. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? Dr. Glanzer, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.
1: My honor and pleasure to be here.
0: You know, the book tagline is Building Healthy Rhythms and Harmonize Your Team, everything I wish I'd known as a young leader. So, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So I invite my podcast guest to stay tuned because later on we're going to ask Dr. Glanzer to share some of those insights that he knows now that he didn't know as a young leader. So we're going to get to that in a little bit in the podcast. So I'm really interested in this book. You talk about leadership is like directing an orchestra. You must determine the tempo. You bring together multiple voices, you create a unified vision for the music, but in all the noise, many leaders forget that the most important member of the orchestra is themselves the the conductor. And this has resulted in a breakdown in leadership in America, in all areas of society. So I want to start there. How serious is this breakdown of
1: leadership? A few uh, weeks ago, a friend of mine asked me a question that was very similar to that. He said, do you think that as a nation, as a society or a civilization, we've gotten better at leadership because in the last 25 years, so much corporate spend has been directed and corporate training has been directed to leadership? And literally over the last 25, 30 years, there's been a lot done with leadership development. So I did a little checking and found out that according to the chief learning officer at the Business Intelligence Board, they estimate over $50 billion are spent every year by corporations in leadership development, primarily for succession, retention, and innovation. And so he asked me the question, has anything gotten better in leadership as a result of that? And when you look at the the seven basic sectors of society, family, entertainment, media, business, religion, education, government, uh, you look at all those and you say, I'm not sure it's gotten any better. I think the reason it hasn't gotten any better is because the focus is on appearance, accomplishment, and the accolades. And what I'm trying to do in the book is to communicate that what's important is an authentic leadership lifestyle, that we all live out of who we are, that leadership is being that results in doing. And how we lead flows out of who we are and who we are is an expre- it expresses itself in our persona and in what we do and how we lead. And so at at the end of the day, it seems to me that the more we can take care of ourselves and who we are and listen to the voice of God and what he is calling us to be and to do, that leadership has a greater and more effective impact.
0: As you look at the crisis of leadership, uh, is it in the church as well? Is it in ministries? Is it across the board? Or I would think churches maybe are doing a little better than corporate America or business America. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, there are a lot of pastors that are faithfully serving and making a difference in the world. And there are also a lot of pastors that you can't tell the difference between their leadership and marketplace leadership. And that in one of the chapters, we talk a little bit about that when we talk about the difference between kingdom leadership and, and marketplace leadership. And I think it has so it has has kind of got into the church a little bit, and that there are places where you watch how the, what has happened in the church. And God must not be pleased with some of what you see, right. and it seems to me that well, when I was the dean of the seminary. I did a study of the seminary students wanting to know where they all came from and how they had been uh, called into ministry. Over three quarters of the students that were attending George Fox Evangelical Seminary at that time came from churches of 200 members or less. And all of them had had somebody in the church lay their hand on them and say, we think you have the gifts to pastor. So, of all the seminary students, it was the small church that was still producing more pastors. And the large mega churches at that time didn't have the same kind of an impact. So, I I wish I could say that it hasn't affected the churches, but I think it has. You
0: know, in your book, it's very interesting how you exegete the image of sound in scripture. I thought that was very unique. Your book maybe is the first book that does this kind of approach Mm -hmm. to leadership. So as we talk more about your book now, explain this concept of image of sound.
1: This book evolved uh, over a period of time. It started out when a couple of meetings, board meetings into my serving as president of Tabor College, we discussed a pretty significant issue. No decisions, just kind of process the issue. After that, One of the board members came up to me, someone who I deeply respected and said, well, Jules, you realize that we're going to have to kind of do this and this and go in this direction. Made sense to me. About three days later, I get this long email from another board member that I also deeply respected and was very involved with Tabor. And uh, they said, you know, Jules, I think we're going to have to do this and this as we move forward. And both of them were polar opposites. And I realized that I would have to find some way to triage the voices other than who was speaking. And so that began the whole process. And probably my greatest takeaway from serving at Tabor College as president was the importance of leadership triaging voices. And the first section of the book talks about triaging the voices and the importance of hearing the voice of one. That kind of inspired me to look at what does the scripture say about voices and I was surprised and after having preached for 25 years once or twice a week during most of those uh, years, how much the scripture talked about sound and when I looked at it it that sound is the interface between heaven and earth So for example, Creation is a sound event, and God said, Let there be, and there was. The final words of revelation are, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. It's an invitation for us at the very end to come and join him. And then in between those two are sandwiched all these other times where sound is an important part when there's a interface between heaven and earth. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he he was escorted with thunder and a trumpet blast. John the Baptist was known as the voice of one crying in the wilderness. At Jesus' baptism and transfiguration, they heard a voice from heaven. When Jesus performed supernatural events like calming the winds and healing, and when Lazarus you know, he yells, Lazarus, come out. Or the, the winds respond to his voice. Many of the parables are punctuated. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mary at the tomb. In the book of John, four different Greek words are used to describe different aspects of seeing, recognizing, hear. But then she didn't recognize Jesus until she heard him say Mary, her name, and then she responded with "Raboni," Rabbi. When the Holy Spirit came, we all thought there's a rushing wind. It says there was the sound of a rushing wind. Paul tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing the word of God. Each of the seven letters in Revelation are... Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And just the other day, I, I don't even think I got this in the book, but just the other day when I was reading Revelation 1, it, in Revelation one twelve, it says, and John turned to see the voice. The whole book of Revelation is a voice spoken to John that he is supposed to record, and he is seeing big images and pictures but it is a voice that is spoken. And so I look at all that and I go, you know, there's something about sound here that we've missed and our eyes play tricks on us. And we've seen all these different images where if you look at one place, you see one thing and if you look at another place, you see another thing. With with hearing, it isn't that way. Uh, with hearing, you know, you, you hear the voice and it's just different frequencies that we hear. But I just realized that sound is the interface between heaven and earth. And then that gave birth to, when I went to the publisher, they said, you've got to expand it, add more more words and more ideas. And so then I just expanded that image and looked at music and how music, there's a lot related between music and, and leadership, and then also with noise. And again, even with noise, noise is determined by the person making it and the one receiving it if it is good. And so I just looked at frequencies and the different variations of noise that are there and said, okay, what does this tell about, about leadership? So frequency and waves and sound effects and, and then the sound of silence of being alone and taking care of yourself.
0: Sounds like a very interesting book to read. And, um, you know, earlier we had talked about kingdom leadership and marketplace leadership and the sound of leadership in scripture, Uh, of course, it applies to the church leadership. But what are some of the differences for our podcast listeners uh, when you talk about leadership uh, principles, scripture, and then in the marketplace? uh, Just maybe give us a few examples there.
1: Sure. I think there are three basic differences in the difference between a person who is driven by kingdom leadership rather than by either self-driven or principle-driven or purpose-driven, but rather driven by kingdom leadership. It seems to me that a person who is driven by kingdom leadership seeks God's kingdom rather than build their own empire. One of the studies that I did that really surprised me when I looked at it was, I looked at the word kingdom primarily in Matthew, but also in all of the gospels. And what are the words that describe kingdom? We are never asked to build the kingdom. We're never asked to to kind of, prom- what we're a- actually asked to do is we're to seek the kingdom We're to enter it, we're to receive it, we're to preach it, we're to proclaim it, we inherit it, we wait for it, and we explain it. But yet, as pastors, we're always trying to build it. And God never asks us to build the kingdom. And so I think one of the differences is that we seek God's kingdom rather to build our own empire. And that has a lot to do with motives and uh, it has a lot to do with how we look at, at life. but seeking the kingdom instead of building it I think is is one. Another one is that we influence rather than control. Mm-hmm. And the difference there is we give choice. And marketplace leadership is very much about control about command, conquest, and control. in the work of the the kingdom, I think the focus is on influencing, almost without power. That was something that I never quite got used to as a college president, is all the power it was in the office. I, didn't, I wasn't comfortable with it. I didn't like to use it. I ended up using it maybe more than I should have at times. I, I realize that as I look back. But the whole idea of influencing people rather than trying to control them. And the other uniqueness of kingdom leadership is God always starts with the heart and works out rather than from the outside working in. There's really only one organization I'm aware of that can shape a person's life from the outside in, and that's the military. And they come in and they yell and demean you and put you down to the point where you don't feel like anybody, and then build you back up as a team, so you go out as a team to accomplish your mission. But all the rest of the, of the organizations I've seen that build up leadership, they all, they start from the outside and they fail. and. In God's economy, he always begins with the heart, and he moves out. And an authentic leadership lifestyle means that God has shaped the person's heart, and then you lead out of that shaping of who he is.
0: Thank you. Very good. And, uh, you know, as we think about kingdom leadership, there's maybe a need for a pivot in kingdom leadership, as as you've yeah. explained. Uh, you've been a college president Christian higher education. Where is Christian higher education today in terms of this context of leadership?
1: You know, while I was president of Tabor College there were, for 13 and a half years, and there's a whole long list of accomplishments of money raised, and we built nine different structures and re- reshaped the, what the campus looks like and the buildings and, and all of that. But the thing that I cherish the most and that I still have the most fondest memories of is the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program that we had during that time. And each year we'd select four people who came in as freshmen, and I met with them then throughout the time they were there every week. And to this day now, I still meet or still talk to them and they talk to me. And that is where my greatest joy was and even is as I look back on uh, on my serving as a college president. The, the time that a student is at college, that is a time when you their lives are going to be shaped by something because they are searching. They're trying to find themselves and what it is that they're going to be and do as they move out. And so it is the perfect place to develop godly god honoring kingdom seeking biblically rooted leadership that is a great place for that to happen it doesn't always happen that way there but it it is a great place for it to happen on the bigger scale i think where the i think where the the colleges the issues for the college have all to do with mission and margin it is so easy in today's world for there to be mission drift. And it is also, you have to be able to have a margin so you can continue your mission. And so all of the ideas and all of the problems that relate to, uh, to, to college uh, developing leaders have to, and what is happening in higher education in general is mission and margin. The challenge of higher of Christian higher education is to not have a mission drift. And to have a margin to fulfill your mission. And that's where all the tension is right now. How, how do you do that? What, what does the business model look like? So you remain Christian in your mission and yet are able to have a margin so that you can fulfill your mission.
0: Thanks for sharing that. And um, I'm sure we've got many listeners now that want to know where they can get this book on leadership and read this uh, unique perspective that you bring to it. Uh, where can people uh, pick up this book?
1: Amazon.com uh, will be where it can be. Barnes and Nobles will be another place that it can be. Uh, it will be both in uh, the e-format and also uh, paperback. And then also <laughs> invite resources is the publisher.
0: Okay, and we've connected on LinkedIn, so you can follow yeah. Jules on LinkedIn, yeah. and from LinkedIn there you can go to the source of this book, and get added insights as well. Now, we promised our uh, podcast listeners in the beginning that uh, the tagline of this book is "Building Healthy Rhythms and Harmonizes Your Team." Everything I wished I'd known as a young leader. Can you give us some clues of what you know now that you wished you had known as a young leader?
1: You know the. The group that is responsible for marketing the book, when they read the book, that is what they said they got out of it. And it was their marketing. The official tagline is Kingdom Notes to fine tune your life and influence. And it talks about an authentic leadership lifestyle. But it also, the question they asked me was, so did you practice this when you were leading or is this what you think now after you've led? I hope I practiced it. I think as I look back on my my leadership service, I find myself in retirement now thinking about what are the regrets that I had. I wish I would have done some things differently. I wish I would have tried to be more collaborative. Uh, I think if you ask the people uh, at the college that I was pretty strong and insisted on my way, and I wish I would have done less control and more influence. If there's one area that I wish I'd have given more attention to, it's board development. I didn't do very much with board development. I enjoyed the board. It was a good board. And so we just led and worked together and we didn't try to improve ourselves as a board in any way. I think I'd ask more questions of people and try to bring them together to make a more harmonious sound. Those are some of the things that I've learned. In my final speech uh, at Tabor, one of the things that I said was that I wish I could serve another 13 years and practice everything that I learned in the first 13 years. I have never really tried to identify what those are, but probably the biggest mistake that I made was I did not pay attention to the importance of corporate culture. And that's a whole nother book.
0: That'd be another (laughs) whole podcast.
1: It it would be. But it, it. if there is one thing that as I look back and say, Jules, what should you have done differently? I assumed that if we had a series of accomplishments, that culture would change with the accomplishments. And it didn't work that way. And so the importance of culture and, you know, uh, I think as Peter Drucker, he's attributed to saying that uh culture each strategy for breakfast, or or something like that. And I wish I'd have paid more attention to the corporate culture. And I don't deal very much with that in the book at all, because that would be a failure of mine.
0: Okay, well, I thank you for sharing, and uh, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry podcast, Dr. Jules Glanzer author of The Sound of Leadership. I encourage you to pick up a book, uh, listen to the book, uh, share the book with your pastor, send the book to those you know in uh, education and positions of leadership. So this has been fascinating to listen to you explain what you have so articulately explained in your book. So thank you for joining us.
1: One of the things about the book is every book has a kingdom takeaway at the very end, which is a question for you to consider. And it's really kind of a book which really works well in leadership development, small groups or small groups that are wanting to just learn how to live an authentic leadership lifestyle. Uh, that's one of the things that we put into the book that makes it the kind that a small group or a discipleship group could use in a pretty simple way.
0: Thank you, and uh, I encourage people to follow you on your LinkedIn and uh, ask questions and uh, start a conversation. So again, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.
1: It's been my honor and blessings on you as you continue to serve and make a difference in the world.
0: This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends and leave a comment. SAT7 is a Middle East and North Africa broadcast media ministry making God's love visible and the gospel available to everyone in the Middle East and North Africa. SAT7 USA has resources in helping you honor God while protecting your family. You can avoid another regret, which is the failure of not creating an estate plan. Through a partnership with Financial Planning Ministry, SAT7 USA provides Christian experts to assist you In preparing your will or trust, all at no financial cost to you, visit www.sat7usa.org and click on the tab Planned Giving for more information. SAT-7 simplifies the process and makes it easy for you so that your family and friends don't have to bear the burden and regret of your failure to create an estate plan thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.